Fundamentalism family, and welcome to the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, coming to you all the way from the quarantine studio, my office, aka the Fundamism Newsroom. <laughs> welcome. Hey, shout out to our sponsor, Charlie Hustle, been with us from the jump, uh, doing amazing things. A lot of folks been asking, when's the next Fundamism shirt coming out? Well, just wait, because Charlie Hustle and I may be cooking up some good good. But without further ado, guys, this next guest is somewhat of a big deal in the Kansas City area. Uh, she's starting to get some national run. She is a creative. She is a speaker. Uh, she is a marketing guru and expert and a LinkedIn legend. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fundamism Podcast Show, Miss Erin Folk. What's good, Erin? Hi, thank you so much for bringing me on. I like that intro. I'm going to take you on the road with me. For sure. Listen, if there's anything that I can be, it's a hype man. I don't know if there's much substance behind it, but I at least got the hype. I saw a guy, this is super random. I saw a guy in Family Feud the other day who's made a whole career of being a hype man. So I think, I think it's a thing. I'm in. I am <laughs> in. Uh, so first question that we ask everybody, Aaron, and something that I know that you hold near and dear to your heart, what do you do for fun? Um, so <laughs> for fun. Okay. So here's the, I have two things that I do. I work a lot and people hate when I answer that. I really, really have fun working. Okay. okay? Cause I'm growing a business, but people don't like that answer. So my like two caveat hobbies per se are, I love to play Texas Hold'em poker wow. and I play a lot when it's regular life and you can sneak out to the casino in the middle of the night. And I love to ice skate. All right. So we play poker, we ice skate, and then of course you have fun doing what you do, which we'll get into that. So let's start with a, a little bit of Texas Hold'em. So you you do, you will go down to what we call in Kansas City, the boats and, and throw a little coin down, huh? Right. So um, we've come a, a little bit farther than the boats. I actually really like to go to the Hollywood Casino. There's no water around. Yes. Um, so I kind of have this thing where I can play at a casino for a few months because I I'm really good at playing the dumb girl role because I get into it so easily when I get there. I'm like, oh, I'm going to play this game. And then I'm like four to five months in, they're like, we know your game, right? So then I got to switch it up. Um, but I have been playing poker. I, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it. Mm. I have been playing poker. I fell in love with it when I was 21 years old and I got a job bartending at a legal poker room in Dallas, Texas. I didn't know what I was doing. I realized like doing illegal gambling like was prison at the time. And I just remember watching these people and I was like, that is the most fun thing ever. And then very quickly started going to Shreveport to play because I lived in Dallas at the time. And then it turned into going to Vegas to play. Like I've even got to play with Tommy Lee before. Like wow. it's, been, it's one of my favorite things. So now Shreveport and Dallas, Texas, neither one of those are really well known for their ice skating prowess. So no. where did that come from? So I was on the ice cadets back when I was a little girl. What? I know. It's pretty crazy. Um, and honestly, I, I think that I had a drive. So I've always been like, okay, I'm going to just say a lot of things because of your energy. I probably shouldn't say. But I've <laughs> always been attracted to, well, back in the day, I was like super attracted to athletes and I could never figure it out why, right? Because it wasn't about the money. Like, I could not fall in love with somebody that just had a lot of money, but athletes. And I realized very early on, 
it was because I liked that 1% of dedication to like anything, right? So like with me, I'm pretty sure I would have been in the Olympics if I would have had more supportive parents because I was just so dedicated to ice skating like the second I started. And to this day, I own my own ice skates. I go out over in Western Shawnee, real Western Shawnee over there. There is a um, ice skating rink. So when it's not, you know, COVID, then I'll go over there 5.30 some mornings and... Uh, I am still a level where you can go to the private ones. Like when it's not open to public, I'm a level above a level five. So I'll just go out there and get some ice skating and it's very fun. Can you do like a triple Lutz? So I probably definitely would have been in the Olympics had I been able to. (laughs) Single though, I can still do a single, not a triple. But a single is okay for a 40-year-old woman that's a little overweight. (laughs) You're 40 years old? Yeah. Wow. Good for you. So when's your birthday, if you don't mind me asking? No, it's fine. I'm October 12th. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so my wife, she turns 40 this, this year, uh, November. So I got to figure out like, what's the, what's the right thing. And of course she's, she's my cougar. She is eight months older than me. So I I'm like, I'm in the rear view coming up on the, on the 40, but, uh, I, I never miss an opportunity to tell her that she's going to be 40 before me, but of course she Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to suggest she don't do that. <laughs> my husband is four and a half years younger than me and he's learned not to do that. So your husband, great segue, new employee of the Lillian James Creative. Yeah. Uh, and in addition, you had mentioned you really have this affection for individuals that are like the 1% of their craft. Like they understand right. what it takes to be successful and doing the damn thing. And so here you are, I believe five years in, is that accurate? Four years. Four years last Friday. Four years last Friday, my apologies. So tell us about Lillian James and the vision and how it came to be. Yeah, so um, essentially, I think I've always had this entrepreneur thing in me, right? I just didn't know what it was really. Like I was selling uh, back in like, the fourth grade, I would walk to this like convenience store and buy Jolly Rancher sticks. Remember those? Yes. And I would go sell them for double at school the next day. How about everlasting gobstoppers? Oh yeah. I don't think, so like the, the, the thing that nobody else could get was the Jolly Rancher sticks. It was like the white area, right? At the time, I just knew this like random like store that was probably in an area no one else's parents would let them walk to. I would walk to it and that was like the white space at my school. And (laughs) third and fourth grade. So I started selling those. So I have been doing this forever. I just didn't know what it was. So like when I was bartending in, um, in Dallas, I kind of almost made that into a separate job. Like I, I, at the time was, you know, calling everybody to come in, letting them know I'd work like what we call regulars now, but it was essentially like making my own little business. Right. Uh, what, so I've always been some sort of an entrepreneur. I just didn't know what that looked like because Back in the old days, it wasn't lined out for you as well as it is now. I think <laughs> resources weren't out there. So um, I got pregnant early on. I was 25 when I got pregnant, 26 when I had my son. And I was bartender. And I had no life plan except for to be a bartender. So it's really hard to bartend when you're pregnant. <laughs> no plan B. You can like do it the first six months. You want to do a shot? No, 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 I will not do a shot. They moved me over to the door, girl. Okay. Yes. I got way more tips though, but I'm 100% sure they were pity tips. Because oh. I, yeah. But I was single. I was single. I was, you know, just trying to make ends meet. What I did while I was there is I started um, 
I went and took all these cake decorating classes. This is super weird. I went to these cake decorating classes and started selling cakes because I was like, after I have this baby, I can't go back to bartending right away. I can't work at the door with my baby by the side. I have to have some sort of money coming in. So I, I knew I was creative. So I went to my, down to the Hobby Lobby and I took cake decorating classes and I became this cake decorator everybody wanted to hire. And at the time, MySpace was just starting. So I was like, I'm going to start a MySpace page for my cake business, which people were like, but then they'd be like, oh, I didn't know you did that. And that's where I was getting orders from. So I started using social media as an entrepreneur way before I did this. So essentially did the thing, moved back to Kansas City where I grew up, right? Did the thing where I was like, oh yeah, I should get insurance and stuff for this kid. Like now that I'm a mom, I have to like grow up. So I went and got a job. Hold up. How far are we into the process? Because you're still referencing him as this kid. Does he have a name yet? He's 13 and his name's Devin. Okay. <laughs> he also has his own podcast. Yes. <laughs> and side note, just to deviate a little bit, we're going to do this a lot because yeah, we're cool. both like, look, a squirrel. I'm pretty certain that I saw Devin had a tryout for The Voice last week. He did. He tried out for The Voice uh, last weekend. Yeah, it was like a virtual audition. They did virtual auditions this for year. Sure. Yeah. So it was pretty exciting. We didn't make it, but he did get the lead in the summer play. So. That's, That's amazing. We have a mutual friend, Kareem Rush, who uh, also did the uh, tryout. I think that he's trying right. the virtual as well. And he right. unfortunately has not made it yet either, but has had an absolute blast. And uh, every single time, like I say, hey, what's going to happen? You going to make it? 100%. Absolutely. Right. He's always so confident. And even when he doesn't necessarily fulfill his expectation of himself, he learns. And I'm sure that with a mother like you uh, and all of the times that we've been knocked down as entrepreneurs, um, Devin's probably going to instill some of those same virtues right. and core values in him as well. So Kareem is actually the one that got us into it. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he was, when I was in college, uh, my boyfriend for five years, the one I moved to Texas with, went to college with him, played basketball with him. So we've been good friends since we were 18. Yes. Great guy. Yeah. So, so uh, you moved back to Kansas City. Uh, mm -hmm. You're trying to figure out how to get insurance and help this kid out along his journey. Help my kid out. Yeah, number one, I call him. No, I'm just kidding. Just made that up. <laughs> so essentially, I had to get a real job, right? We were, I was going to end up going to custody and stuff like that. So I just needed to have my life together. And so I got a job at a dental office. And I was the secretary. I think they gave me a fancy name, like hygiene coordinator or something like that. But I was the secretary. So I had two jobs to, well, three jobs really, to greet people, to try to get more people to come in and talk people into their root canals. That's all it was, were those three so things. Right? Being the door, the door girl, as you said it earlier at the bar, actually set you up for success in your new role. Smooth, right? Transition, <laughs> right into that, right there. So I went to the lady and I'm like, I don't know how to get more people to come to the dentist. And she's like, whatever you can figure out. And I was like, well, why don't I try this MySpace thing? So I put uh, the dental office on MySpace and they were close to UMKC. So they started growing. So essentially back then is when I started using business in sales to grow through social media. So quickly I saw what a sales career could do as I think I got a little more into the business side, not the party side of my lifestyle. And it, so I kept taking sales jobs and using social media to always be. So I sold everything from there. I went to um, property management. I went to, I went and sold windows, a pillow windows. And yeah. I was one of the top people because I was using, that's when I really started getting into LinkedIn because I knew where the money was for those expensive windows. Um, and then eventually I made 
most of my stories start with like a bad boyfriend story. Like most of my like decisions, most of my caveats. Um, but you're past yeah. that. I'm past that because I'm married now. Yes. Uh, so I've been doing good for two years. Um, so at Pell, I started dating my boss's boss, which again, always a great idea, Erin. I'm loving this. <laughs> I know, I know that wasn't great, um, but it was worth a shot. So that was the one time I did try to date with for money, and I told you I can't do it. I tried so hard, but essentially at the time I said uh, one of us had to leave. It didn't make sense for him to leave. We were moving in together. He made way way more money than me. He'd been there for like seventeen years. So I said. I'm going to go ahead and be the one to leave. And I'm going to start my own business doing social media for businesses. And at the time, bless his heart, he said, you don't have the capacity to run a business and I don't have the time or you don't have the knowledge to run a business and I don't have the capacity to help you. That's and so I remember I was started it. I was like, oh, those fighting words. Oh, because I love a good channel. Like, give me a challenge, I win. And so I, I um, decided to go get a job at an agency because I knew at that point I was going to do it, but I was going to go get a job at an agency and see how they did it and then present to him this like great plan once I understood it, right? Mm-hmm. So I got a job selling for an agency so I could at least in- see inside agency life. And then long story short, I uh, came home one day and he didn't live there anyways. So awesome dude. Jeez. And um, I, that right then I bought the URL for my business. I knew I wasn't ready to move yet because now it was down to one income, right? Um, what was the URL at that time? Was it still Lillian James? It was Lillian James Creative. Yeah. And I said, I know. And so that was probably two years before I started the business. And I said, I know I'm I know that I will know when the time is right. And two years later, I get a phone call and it was super weird. It was just this guy that I'd only met by phone. Uh, It was like a real random story, but I had met him by phone because my friend had met him at a club in LA the night before. And she's like, let's call this guy when I was out there visiting. And we ended up talking business. Like we called to get like a name of a club and we ended up talking business. And him and I formed this business relationship and I had helped him with some of his online stuff and never charged him, but just uh, helped him to help him. And randomly, he was sitting in a board meeting in LA talking about the Ken Griffey Jr. brand Swingman, the Swingman line. I'm familiar. And they were thinking about taking it digital and they wanted somebody to work on their social media, but just like a one-off person, not a big agency. Yeah. Oh, is is that a Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, No, I was like, uh, I'll do it. I was was on the phone. I was like, "Uh, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) So he called me and he said, the weirdest thing happened today. They went one person and another guy, some random guy in the room brought up your name. He's like, and I was like, I know her. She does want to start. So two people in a room in LA that I have never met, the other guy followed me on LinkedIn. were like, this will be the right person. It was just kind of like the universe all working together. It happens. They called me and I was like, time to quit my job and start. That's amazing. It never turned into anything. It taught me that I never want to work with businesses the size of Nike. Love them to death, but a lot of red tape. But it forced me to quit my job with two. At that point, I had two kids by myself. And within four weeks, I was making more than I had ever made ever before. Wow. So that was the catalyst or the jumping off point to to making, doing the dang thing, if you will. So that was essentially your your first client under Lillian James Creative. Is that 
Not really, because they never turned into anything. So it was about a six month ordeal of trying to figure out that they were never going to go digital at all. The, the brand's still not digital. But what it did is my morals sat with the fact that the company I was with, I couldn't do this as a, like a side project because it was conflict of interest. They were going through their own things. So they offered to let me out of my non-compete if I didn't join in on this lawsuit they were getting at the time. It all just kind of worked out. And so I left, but I had no income. And at that point, I didn't know if that was going to come in or not. So I just still also worked. I'd work on that part of the day on that. It was really a pitch and then work on getting clients. So I went to networking things. I was like running my kids around. Luckily it was summertime. So I'd run them to any of my friends that could watch them. And I started just signing clients really quickly. So I had like, I'd say half a dozen clients within four weeks. Wow. And that's kind of where, where what you are known for and what you're really great at has converged with now your, your business mind and this entrepreneurial spirit. So you, you leveraged social media early on and your, your sales techniques and Pella windows and all that good stuff. And now here yeah. we are with a relatively new marketing agency and you're out grinding, trying to find clients and networking. And so you turn to your old friend, social media. And uh, I am an avid follower, as are many, uh, on LinkedIn. You, I know that you also have a Facebook uh, marketing page as well that kind of shares insights and all of that jazz. But talk to us a little bit about your journey into maximizing the social media space to ensure that Lily and James Creative got that lift that you were looking for. Right. So I say that I've done a lot of things in business wrong because I didn't know business at all. But the one thing we've been consistent and good at has been our social media. So we were quickly um, one of the most well-known smaller business brands in Kansas City because of social media, right? We went really, really hard. Um, much like I think your sponsor, Charlie Hustle, they did kind of the same 100%, thing. Right? Yes. Um, so the one thing that I knew I had to be consistent on was just our branding and our social media posting. And as long as our social media posting matched our message, our branding message, we could just continue to grow as quickly as we could. Um, and so one of the things we did that I don't see a lot of companies did is we gave everybody really a look inside as we were growing the business. Mm. So very early on, I started sharing employee pictures and everybody said, don't do that. You're not good at hiring yet. The faces are going to change out. And they did. I have had more employees work for me than I want to ever admit because it took me a long time to figure it out. Right. You know what but, my response to those individuals would be? You're not good at hiring. That's what my <laughs> four-year-old would say. <laughs> well, I understood the mindset. It, it, it made people think we were either much bigger than we were or like what happened to so-and-so I used to see. Sure, on I get yeah. it. But I've been very odd, honest on my personal stuff of, hey, this is a journey and I'm learning it too, right? And I actually had a huge, huge, huge company reach out to me last week and like not even a company we would learn, but they actually reached out to me last week and they said, we've decided after watching your social media to start highlighting our employees. Mm. And I thought, you know what? These are people like, I have a lot of creatives that they will never get the accolades. They will never get a stand on a stage. They will never get to be on a podcast. For me, it, it, it elevated their confidence in working here. And you know, yes, there was a lot of people that I showed on social media that don't work here anymore, but they also have great jobs or it elevated their confidence. So over time, there were just things that we did. We let people look inside. And I think that really helped people get to know us too, right? And then if they did come on and we made a mistake and we were two years in, it, it, it was kind of par for the, hey, we're still learning. And it was an easier conversation. Obviously, we try not to do that, but it happens. Well, and I would argue that we've talked about this offline before. Uh, you know, you have a knack for, for expressing yourself 
uh, and specifically being vulnerable and exposing your warts per se and um, figuratively. Thank you. Yeah, uh, but but uh, I think that sometimes, especially when you're able to do that on on LinkedIn, which has historically been really deemed a professional platform, uh, I think that that you and others, and and now myself to a certain extent, have felt a little more comfortable posting uh, a little more personal stuff. And as a result, what's happening is I find that people are expressing appreciation for who you truly are, and. It's cool to see somebody fall down, right? A- AKA you have a staff that maybe you hired and you were you were in your infancy stages and now they're no longer around. Well, you know who could relate to that? Every freaking business out there. So <laughs> I think that's pretty darn cool that you actually have a real story that's authentic that people could say, yeah, you know what? We were in the same boat. The difference is, of course, you were cool with posting it online and allowing people uh, a behind-the-scenes look at what business really looks like. So kudos right. to you. Thank you. Yeah. No, I just think, uh, you know, I also have this thing where there's a Harvard study that says <laughs> that, says that uh, women have to be 110% ready usually to move forward with a decision, whether that be an online post, starting a business, something like that. Men usually have to do about 78%. <laughs> My mentor swears I need like a good 50%. Yeah. I think, and you know, that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting topic because I know myself and I've talked about this before. I really struggled when I first got into the speaking business posting about myself because the speaking business is all like, it's all me. It's like my content and my face and connection with people. And it just felt really, really narcissistic to be, I'd see these Instagram influencers. I love that word. uh, And all these people posting. And I just felt, gosh, this, this, this is grimy. Like I could never do that. Like I want to be present with my client. I want to be present on stage. And when I, when I finally got past that and accepted that I'm not doing it because I want to be seen, but rather if we want to maximize our, our, our voice, if we want more folks to understand Lily and James Creative is out there, then they have to have a little insight into what we do. And that means that sometimes it needs a model. It needs, it needs something that embodies what we stand for and what we do. And that sometimes is a stupid video or, you know, us exposing our warts to revisit what we were talking about before. But Aaron, it has created just a uh, a, a groundswell of opportunity for you. So I know that we had a huge, remarkable event that happened late last week. You achieved 20,000 followers on LinkedIn. Is that an assessment? I did. So yes. listen, you don't know this, but we're standing room only here at the Fundamentalism Podcast. So this is for you, sister. <laughs> so that is, uh, that is quite the feat. What can you attribute uh, your success in getting folks to be interested? Yeah. So um, <laughs> I think that the biggest part, so LinkedIn seems to be tough for a lot of people to figure out, but I think it just comes back to being absolutely 100% authentic. I think people have learned it on Facebook and into a, to a degree, Instagram, they're still filtering a lot on Instagram. I feel like on Facebook, maybe we're even a little too, too authentic, <laughs> but um, LinkedIn still feels like we're putting our student tie on to go to there. Yeah. And so essentially I've never been a suit and tie type of girl. So I've always stayed really authentic there in times where it maybe shouldn't, you know, I did a post just two weeks ago and I had two of my uh, guy friends call and say, Hey, maybe you crossed the line uh, this week. And oh, maybe God. I did. 
airline is what I exactly told that's right <laughs> uh to their point i need to be a little cognizant it's one thing to post everything when you have a you know 500 followers when you have 20,000 there is responsibility there sure. and so um you know i but i have always said so for this instance i didn't win this award that i 100% am not qualified for just yet but i had a lot of people telling me i was now when i stop and look at who did it makes perfect sense. But the day it came out, I didn't just take a breath when I didn't win it. Instead, I went to LinkedIn to say it, say, well, I didn't win this and it's okay. And you know, more kind of, it was more of an emotional decision. And so I do think there's some responsibility there, but usually I've been cool just going there and also posting failures, right? Because I think a lot of times people post um, their wins, but not always their failures. And so, um, I think just that kind of stuff has really reigned true because what most people have done is there's a lot of pressure to get a picture while I'm talking. <laughs> you nailed it though. That looks so awesome. <laughs> what most people do is they, on LinkedIn, they have the mindset that they have to post all the wins. So to your point, right? I have to be my own cheerleader, which I absolutely do. That has never been hard for me. It's never been hard for me to post my failures either. But for a lot of people, it's that flip side. Once you get used to posting your wins, God, now you also want me to post my failures. That's the stuff I don't want to even focus on, right? And so I think that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of power in your failures. There's a lot of um, learning to be done from your failures. And when somebody's doing that and you resonate with it, then all of a sudden you become a bigger um, a bigger promote, promoter of that person, essentially. Yeah. And so all of that say that I think that I've just done that. I mean, you know, it's getting hot on LinkedIn to do that now, but I've been doing that since like 2010. Yes. Well, and I think going back to your point about, you know, sharing your wins and your losses, we talked about this offline the other day, you know, sometimes, and mama always said it, you know, if mama was active in your life or daddy or somebody, right? It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Right. And so I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to like, what, where is it coming from? And you, man, first of all, just the vulnerability to say, I know that sometimes it's an emotional response and we're all quick to do that, right? So taking the time, just a, a, a brief step back to think about what is my desired outcome? Why do I want to post this? And being very, very thoughtful in how you, how you put your words together, not only could be a growth moment for you, but for all of those that are ingesting the information as well. Because right. a lot of people don't, they don't understand that life is full of trials and tribulations. And especially on social media, everybody's celebrating all the awesomeness. And as a result, you're not seeing a lot of the losses. So right. it resonates a lot to me when I am able to see them. And it means even more so when I see where it's coming from, specifically like what's driving the response. And and how did it really make you feel? So um, you've you've not just uh, accomplished the 20,000 follower feat, but as a result of your, your prowess, to use the same word again, on social media, you've been recognized formally by lots of different organizations. I know that you're very active with the Kansas City Business Journal, and I, I constantly see you going back and forth with some of those amazing folks. But the coup de gras in social media reached out to you some time ago. Uh, I know that you had uh, a member of his team on your podcast, but the Gary V reached out, uh, or at least you had an interaction rather with Gary right. V. Talk to us a little bit about that experience. So I've had a couple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So actually, no, the first one was um, I actually reached out to him and I was headed to New York for some business. And I have an all women's podcast where I interview like high achieving women and give them a drink. And then we talk about how they really got there. Right. And so I had seen that he brought on. We talked about how they really got there after a drink. Right. (laughs) Do that thing. We're always trying to act all fancy. If I get them a couple of drinks, then they'll tell me all the real crap they had to go through, which was a big part of that podcast. I've gone down to once a month on that podcast. It's not, I'm, it's not as big a part of my life anymore, but it played a huge role for two years in making me like the businesswoman I am, right? Because I got to hear all these amazing stories of women I really admire. So Gary Vee, so I sent him an email a couple of years ago and I said, hey, I'm headed to New York. I'm sure you get a million of these and everyone wants you on your podcast. I don't want you on my podcast, no offense. <laughs> but it's women only. I'd like to have your top woman on my podcast. And so sure enough, um, he connected within like five minutes. He emailed me back and said, I love this so much. I just looked at your podcast. I love this idea here. I'm doing an intro to Andrea Sullivan. She's our top woman of VaynerX. So the umbrella company, like top, top, top woman of all his companies. And she emailed back within a couple hours. She'd listened to a couple of the podcasts and she's like, I'm in, when will you be here? They ended up taking one of their recording studios. Um, she booked it for me. And we got it like where he records his podcast. She booked that one. We got to go in. She like took me on like a, a, I think it was Baskin Robbins too, like all sorts of stuff. And it was one of the best experiences, not because it was Gary Vee, but because this woman who I at that point like Googled to death, right? And she is the who's who of advertising and marketing in New York City, Fifth Avenue, right? He actually begged her to work for him for two years. Like she's a big deal. And here she comes in with her jeans and her leather jacket and just 100% authentically herself talking about she was going to go watch her husband. At the, he plays in a band later. And, you know, they like live on Fifth Avenue, but like they like go to these like bands over in Soho and stuff. And it was so cool. And to this day, she like, I can email her if I have a question. Like it was such a great relationship. And then I was at another conference where Gary Vee was last year. And so we got to um, meet up and chat there and hang out for a little bit. What a brilliant um, way of connecting. Like the fact that somebody gets so many requests every single day and you said, listen, this ain't about you. First of all, <laughs> that has got to be a humbling experience to some, right? And and. For somebody like Gary Vee, how amazing is it, A, to be humble a little bit, dude, it's not about you, but B, I want to shower some praise and showcase one of your prime employees, just sets him up to be a rock star. A theme that I'm noticing here uh, is that you are very, very good and probably set aside a lot of ego to be able to do this, just emailing folks that you want to connect with because you just got a random call. Uh, yesterday from an individual, uh, a, a fellow speaker. Who was that? Les Brown. Les the amazing Brown. Les Brown. Les Brown has uh, an amazing following. He's got an amazing voice, uh, very insightful, very wise, um, just, a, just a true gentleman at heart. What was that experience? How did that come to be? It was so random. I'm still processing it because it was just yesterday. So, um, I heard him on a podcast <laughs> and bless his heart on his podcast. He gave out his email. Address, nice. right? And so I thought, well, I'm just going to email his email address. And, 
Did you say, yeah. now this isn't about you. You have a team behind you. And I <laughs> so he does like one-on-one coaching and I'm sure it's millions of dollars, right? To work with Les Brown, one-on-one coaching. And so I just emailed and I just said, hey, I'm sure that uh, this is something I could never afford. But if you have any information so I can put it on my goal list of one day, I could work one-on-one with Les Brown. I would love it. And I did that yesterday morning or the day before. I think it was the day before, actually. And then yesterday afternoon, I'm like, literally, we had just gotten home from the pool. My daughter's in my bed. We're watching like uh, World of Dance or something. And I'm like, it? some random Vegas number is calling me. And usually I do not answer phone, phone numbers. I don't know. But for some reason, I was like, well, honestly, I was supposed to go to Vegas this week and I had to cancel and I thought they were calling about like my money. That's kind of why I think I answered. But I was just like, I feel like I need to take this. And so um, I answered it and he was like, hey, Aaron, this is Les Brown. And I was like, excuse me? Who that? <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, I, uh, I never really take my own emails, but I happened to be sitting at my computer when it came through. And I saw it and I just can't keep you off my mind. So I wanted to call back. And so we chatted for a little bit. And then he wanted me to write down like five goals on my like national speaking career that I'm trying to get to. And so. Uh, he's like, just text him over to me and I'll call you tomorrow. And he's already called me today. I missed his call. So I called him back and he was on the line. So he's going to call me back in a little bit. So I imagine we're best friends now. Tag. Uh, <laughs> and I also think, uh, and I gave you permission that if indeed he were to call you while you're on the Fundamental podcast, feel free to take the call because we can edit <laughs> it out. Okay, I'll talk back. <laughs> um, hey, Les, you know Paul? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I think so... You're, you're catapulting us into, you're providing me all the natural segues into the next topic. So kudos for you. It's almost like you've done a podcast before, <laughs> but um, speaking. So you circling back, social media, leveraging connections, growing a following, all that stuff. You have now parlayed the story into a speaking career. You're, you're in your infancy stages. You've dipped your toe in the water several times. You had many opportunities over the course of the last couple of years to go out, including being flown out to LinkedIn's campus to talk about LinkedIn. What was that experience about? So I didn't go out there to talk about LinkedIn. I just got went out there to learn about LinkedIn and what oh, okay. it can offer and everything like that. Um, but I I do travel to talk about LinkedIn to uh, to like marketing conferences. Okay, all right. So yeah, but so no, LinkedIn was amazing. Like the culture there was so awesome. The like I imagine it's what they wanted the Sprint campus to look like, but like on steroids right like there's like bikes and like people like just going on scooters and like it's like it looks like the movies like it's all like there's stairs with pillows and people are just laying around working it's just exactly what you think it would be and everybody was so I did learn something I don't know if I should say this but I'm going yeah so when I was out there like I kept asking people like where did you used to work and they were like google and then Mm. other people were like google I'm like why is everybody I mean they're all really close to each other right and they're like oh here we have our own stereotypes in Silicon Valley. And I was like, what's that? And they're like, LinkedIn's the nice one to work at. Google's like the pretentious one, right? So like, if you don't like being around a lot of pretentious people, you usually leave and go to LinkedIn. But LinkedIn's really got to be known as like where all the kind people work. Well, what's brilliant about that too is obviously Google has a reputation of 
employee engagement, at least externally. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. know what happens internally, but uh, we've all seen the movie or are familiar with it with Vince Vaughn and, and Owen Wilson. Was it the intern or the internship or whatever it's called? <laughs> but all the things that you're talking about, like colorful, like free food, awesome right. pillows, comfortable spot. And so what a brilliant uh, idea to, to attract the right people uh, to figure out what somebody great in the space is doing and promote employee engagement. So now, now taking that experience, you said that you travel all over to talk about LinkedIn. Now, as a speaker, is that your primary topic is really about social media and trying to, to create a following um, where you express some form of value for others? So I'm in a really weird space with this right now, being okay. completely honest, because where I've got kind of two total opposite things I speak on, right? So I, I can speak on LinkedIn all day, every day. I was speaking on LinkedIn in 2017. So now it's hot to be a LinkedIn speaker, but in 2017, it wasn't. So I just got enough traction there that that's where, like, if I go to a marketing conference, that's what I'll speak on is LinkedIn. Okay. Um where I really am passionate about and what I'm trying to eventually grow, but it's just a weird thing because I own this social media business is speaking on like my story and like um, really being a role model to other single moms and like how you can be successful. At one point I had, when I had my second daughter, the nurse told me, um, she told me that I would never be able to pay for my own bills without the state's help because I had two kids And I know that it was done in kindness and love. She was really trying to get me to apply for state help. But at that point, I went and I tried to find role models of single moms that had made it from like nothing to to stuff, you know, to being able to like build a business or grow a business and support their family. And there weren't any at the time. I couldn't find any. Hmm. And there's there's some popping up now. But essentially, I really eventually want to parlay into that completely. Right now, me speaking on LinkedIn, you know, I go speak on LinkedIn and we get a ton of clients every time I speak. Like... I, not to be, I think that speaking is my ultimate gift. Even though I'm good at social media, I feel like speaking is my ultimate gift when I'm on the stage. That's where like I get all my energy. That's where a ton, I've gotten a ton of my followers. It's just, they've seen me speak and then come and follow me on LinkedIn. So I eventually want to be able to do that for good, but also I'm doing it for business now. So I kind of have these two like alleys, caveats, which is why I need less brown in my life. Yeah, definitely need, uh, to narrow your focus and figure out from um, from a growth perspective, where do you want to throw your energy at and what's going to maximize results? So uh, I had the opportunity, I was discussing this with another speaker recently, and uh, we were talking about the commonality of a lot of folks in the speaker space. And so there's a lot of individuals talking about the what, right? Our story, uh, what they did, what to do, but very few speakers in my experience, or talking about how to do it. Like, give me some real tactical takeaways. What can I do as a result of of this moment together uh, that will potentially help move me forward in my life, either business or personal? So thinking through your experience, and I know I'm putting you on the spot right now, but whether it's your personal growth as a a female entrepreneur, and I only say that because I know that you speak a lot in that space. Uh, but or your your social media prowess or being a, a co-founder or a founder uh, rather of Lillian James Creative, what are the tactical takeaways? What's one to two tactical things that you would provide an audience or anybody listening to the Fundamism podcast that wanted to improve their quality of life, either at business or at home? Right. 
So, you know, these two kind of merged together the other day. We both had speaking events at the same time. We were texting each other. We did, within 20 minutes apart. (laughs) Within 20 minutes. So a big bank here asked me to speak to about 300 women. And what they said, they they kind of, they teed it up for me where they said, these are not women that are in the C-suite. These are women that are tellers, that are assistants, that we need them to believe in themselves more because we need more women in the C-suite, right? So they said, is there any way you can speak on your, how you grew your brand? And you believed in yourself. And so they kind of parlayed together. So what I found myself the other day doing on that is, you know, one of the tactical tips I would say I gave is what we were talking about earlier is if you aren't going to, this was the one that I have a text line that people could text me at afterwards. And this is the one that seemed to really resonate. If you are not going to cheer for yourself or post your wins, how the heck are you ever going to expect anybody else to do that? So I need you to go out and figure out something that you're awesome at. And I need you to cheer for yourself on that. Right. And I think that resonated with a lot of people because a lot of people that aren't you and me, Paul, they sit back and they wait for the accolades, which I totally get. It's, It's not my personality, but a lot of people do that. And the truth is, is that most people are thinking about themselves. Right. So while they may see you do an awesome job, it's two steps down to now give you those accolades. But if you say, hey, by the way, I did this. Oh, awesome. I want to give you those accolades, but that's just not how humans' minds are working. And so really being your own cheerleader is probably the number one tip. And then two, just understanding, this is what I always say. This is a very tactical, tactical tip. So uh, I'll give you an example. Most of us have not Googled ourselves in the past couple of years, right? And so what we assume, the story that we're putting out there is the story that everybody's getting. So when I started dating my husband, we met on Tinder because I'm also good at Tinder. And very good at optimizing. <laughs> and so, you know, we had talked, but we were getting, we'd had one date and I had done a lot of research, but after that one date, we met in a very public place. I decided to go home and I said, Hey, before we meet up for a second date, um, I'm going to need your middle name. And he was like, excuse me. Well, well it's because well, I had decided to well, Google him. Well. <laughs> I was like, what is that noise? Is that like? <laughs> I had decided to Google him and my husband does not have a common name. It's not, his name is Mark Stockwell. So it is not common. It's not like there's like, it's not like I'm dating John Doe or something. But when I Googled him, there were some really scary charges that came up. Right. And I was like, this is weird. He doesn't seem like this guy, but like, I don't want to end up dead. So I'm going to go one step further and ask his middle name. So he gave me his middle name and essentially it wasn't him. Right. There's a whole nother guy now that we've had to, make sure that we have that distinction. But what happened is because my husband has like no social media presence and, you know, he was just like, he's like steady Eddie. He's always shows up to work and all of that, but he's not done anything for himself online. He didn't even know the story out there that people could have put together. So really tactical thing people could do right now is sit down and Google yourself and see what the story that's already being told. Because if you've ever been anywhere, like if you've been somewhere and they took your picture, they, and they asked your name, there is a story out there about you. So if it happened to be a, club mosaic and you are 10 drinks in, but you're trying to get a C-suite job. That might be the only story out there, but there's these awesome platforms like LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram that will outrank that story all day long if you put some work there. Yes. So two things, the cheerleader, I love that um, for multiple reasons, but I think that, uh, so the gig that I did uh, the day that you had your gig with the bank, was with Centurions, right? The Kansas City Chamber. And so it's the future leaders of Kansas City. And um, I mentioned to them that many of them, uh, as evidenced by the fact that they're in this program, are top performers. And you, you, Aaron, are a top performer. I'm a top performer, at least 
we strive to be, right? But as top performers, what we typically do is we run to our opportunity gaps and we're always looking for ways to get better. And as a result, sometimes we're not as quick to relish in uh, some of the things that we've been able to accomplish or pat ourselves on the back for some of the things that if you were to say three years ago, we would have accomplished today, we'd be like, get the hell out of here. That's not possible. But yet we achieve them and we don't stop just to say kudos to you. So first of all, I love that. One tactical thing, guys, take some time out of your day to jot down a few things uh, that you've accomplished either today or the last week, past month, the past year, things that if you were to look back three years ago and you were to accomplish them, you would have said, there's no freaking way. So be your biggest cheerleader. I love it. Aaron, the second thing that you said is be aware of, of what's out there. And so Google yourself. And I couldn't help but listening to you and uh, hear our mutual friend, Joel Goldberg, tell me a story recently. So a client reaches out to him. He's trying to, he's trying to get a new gig. And uh, I, I, I think, I'm paraphrasing, I think he didn't get it or something like that. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But he reached out to the client uh, because it was a great idea to do it. He's like, what gives? And he was like, well, they said, the, tr- the truth is we, we saw some content that we didn't really like. Like, it, it, you weren't our style. And he was like, where'd you find the content? And so well, it, was, it came up via Google. And so he Googles his name. And the first couple of videos that come up are like two, three, four years old on a Speakers Bureau's website that he didn't even know were up. And so he, like you, uh, said, I never really Googled myself or I never really thought to do it. So he, he lost a gig or it wasn't his best foot forward, whatever the outcome was, I don't recall. But he had to reach out to that speakers bureau and says, hey, can, can you take this down? Because I didn't realize it was in existence. So that's great advice. Now, if we're thinking about Lillian James Creative, we're thinking about your speaking career. If we're segueing into next steps, the end and fun, Aaron, because without the end and fun, it's just F you, right? Uh, what's next? What's next for Aaron Folk? What's what are you getting into next? What are your next couple of goals or next couple of uh, of uh, peaks that you're aiming for? Yeah. So um, pre-COVID, I had learned that you know, first three years of business, I think is a lot of learning. So really after year three, we learned that what we were doing wasn't really what, what we want to be doing long-term. Um, being a small agency is just really a uh, fun fact. Agency world, although they call themselves disruptive and they tell everyone to be disruptive, agency world has not changed since 1890. You know, and then we've got the Don Draper days. Like it's no different. You go and you tell a business, oh, I'll make all your dreams come true. Just give me money. The whole way most agencies price, and this is... Like literally I saw someone say this on a stage that was just agency owners. And I'm like, I cannot believe everybody thinks this is okay. Is that we say, what's your budget? Oh, perfect. That's what, that's what we charge, right? There's no like hard facts. And like every agency from small agency up to the big guys, they all do this the same. So what's happened is the big guys at least used to, you know, have, have a little bit of wiggle room in there to get to know your brand. So if you have to have a million dollars to work with one of these big guys, there's 250,000 in there just to get to know your brand. We, can, we don't do that in small agency world anymore, right? So what I was realizing is we were having to bring on huge, huge clients to even get to know them. And there still wasn't enough um, in that to, um, to make for the... Um, sorry, I kept looking like you were pausing, so I was just making sure we're here. 
So then I got all weird and started saying weird things. <laughs> Are you there? Am I talking? Funny thing was, uh, I think the internet connection was being a little bit suspect. I could hear every word that you were saying, but you were freeze framed. So, so then your words started to slow down, but it wasn't the internet connection. It was just you. <laughs> it was just me because I was like, ah, you don't know to batch it. Okay. So anyways, um, we had decided to switch up the agency. So we've now made this business into an e-commerce business for marketing. So for small businesses that already know their business way better than I'm going to know them, they can get in there and order what they need, video, uh, blogs, uh, graphics. And essentially, they can play the same quality level game with the big guys without spending the millions of dollars. And so we totally switched this up. So right now, I'm just hard focused on growing this. Smart. Love it. Narrow focused on growing Lily and James. So you personally and next steps in your speaking career would look like what? So, well, so I moved one of my full, so our first full-time employee who's still here, I moved him over to be my full-time content person. So essentially we are just really trying to grow more of that Aaron Folk brand because it feeds into the Lillian James brand. And so just growing on marketing, like tomorrow I've got my first in-person marketing. I'm actually surprised they're doing in-person, but I'm pretty excited about it. Um, on LinkedIn. And I'm continuing to speak on LinkedIn. I'm continuing to stay in front of business owners in my, what I've decided to do is really with all of our content is we're now giving away all of our knowledge that we don't need it anymore. I need you to know what to do and then just order the deliverables for me. So I'm just busy speaking, giving away anything you need to know. So we do a daily podcast called market like you mean it, where we give you a daily uh, tip for marketing for business owners, not marketers, just for business owners. Right. So people that can't afford a huge marketing team yet. Uh, I do a daily video tip on LinkedIn every single day. And then I have the Facebook group where I go live a couple times a week with like uh, lesson type live videos. So like, this is how you use Canva or this is how you build out your company LinkedIn page. Just everything you can think of in there. So I've got all these different uh, vehicles and my job has really become to, I've got everybody in a great place. My team is rocking in their, in their positions. And so I'm really just focused on making content and, and driving and lead that way. Love it. So a couple of things, if you didn't catch her, first of all, market like you mean it. Brilliant. I love it. Uh, one thing that you in a roundabout reference, but didn't call it out by name, uh, you also do the drinks with leaders, which I was blessed yeah. to have the opportunity to do with you and former guest Scott Havens, yeah. a dynamic duo. Uh, you have your daily and weekly tips. And so, of course, if you're interested in any of this, uh, you could find Aaron on LinkedIn under Aaron Folk. Yeah, so. it's under Aaron Folk. I also forgot to tell you I have a text line. Yes. It's the same, it's the same software that Gary B. You have to be invited. So it's like me, Gary Vee, Post Malone, you know. Uh, so I have a text line where I do marketing tips as well. And you can subscribe to that as well. And you can find the number real big on my LinkedIn. Awesome. Do you know it off the top of your head? Let's shout it out. I, I kind of do. I can look it up while we're talking. So it's 913-298. I want to guess 8790. Yes, I'm getting it. 913-298-8790. Text Aaron uh, and you're going to get some, some tips on growing your brand, your business. Uh, ultimately, you're going to learn a lot more about her and Lillian James creative uh, while potentially following her speaking journey and learning more about how she grows that. Because believe it or not, now she's taking all of the things that she's done with Lillian James creative with your business and other businesses like it 
and she's implemented it in her own personal brand. So pretty cool to see a uh, full circle that now you're back to where you started, huh? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's funny that you said people looking back. So I actually did not make this interior program when I, when I tried out and I was so sad and our other mutual buddy, Grant Gooding said, mm. will you stop for five seconds to make a list of things, Aaron, that, that you, that you, well, he kind of switched up, but he said that you have accomplished that probably a lot of those people have it. And so I did that and I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Yes. So I'm like way farther than I could have ever even imagined. Listen, I just wanted to pay my bills. Like this is the first time in my life. I didn't have to worry about where them like shifting around money for food and the lights. Right. Hmm. Like it was always when you have two kids by yourself and I was never making more than 30,000, it was always shifting money for the, for the food and the lights. And now I'm like, we can have both. And this is a wonderful. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, I haven't known you for very long, but what I've seen, uh, I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud of uh, what you've done for our community and uh, Lillian James and your your children. And uh, ultimately, just the LinkedIn platform. Like, I feel like you've really been able to connect a lot of people. Um, you know, when quarantine started, uh, I started doing these stupid videos in my basement that were meant to be informal. And I remember there was a gentleman that reached out to me. Uh, he he commented on several videos that he liked them. And then one day he just goes, um, and I go, not a fan of James Brown, are you? And he goes, no, I love James Brown. I'll send you a private message. And so the private message comes in and this gentleman had been in consulting for 30 plus years. And he said, Paul, if you're looking to find those C-level leaders to invest in fundamentalism and bring you aboard into their organization to help move them forward, this probably isn't the content that you want to be putting out because it's not something that aligns with their brand. To which I responded, I appreciate you looking out for me, but I don't give a shit about big, big box, big organizations right now if they're going to judge me based on me trying to help folks through a pandemic. Uh, this is what I need to get out of my head and the right people are going to see it. Um, that really aligns with a lot of the stuff that you're doing and folks like you and Scott Havens and others have, have made me feel a little more comfortable in, uh, being a little more vulnerable on social media. So thanks for that, Aaron. If anybody wants to know more about you, where do we go? Uh, LinkedIn. Okay. LinkedIn. Aaron Bolt, A-A-R-O-N, like a dude, S-U-L-K. A-A-R-O-N. <laughs> or 913-298-8790. Awesome. You know, to your, to your point about pandemic, um, I think it was easy. It was easy for me in the pandemic. You know why? It's because I had been through all that other stuff, right? So when we talk about wins, my biggest win was during the pandemic. I didn't stop. I doubled down, right? And it really allowed me to make friendships like ours. We were trying to meet before the pandemic. We still have not met. The day that they closed down schools, we actually had something on the books to go grab a meal. And, uh, I felt bad because I coordinated it and tried to cancel on you. And you're like, actually, my kids are out of school too. So this is perfect. Right. No, like we've been trying, but like, I think we've gotten to know, I've gotten to know a lot of people more through this. And so, you know, the pandemic's not over. Right. So um, I think that what I've realized is although we're really thriving right now, there's a lot of people that are not. Mm. And so that's when we have to double down. I'm realizing it's no longer about our energy. It's also about theirs. And so anyone else that's out there that feels like maybe they've been too much, your people gravitate towards you. So keep going because there's a lot of people that need you to keep going. The suicide rates are insane right now. Right. And, and mental health conditions are on the rise. I mean, they have been for the last 10 years and that's not even including obviously what we've gone through over the course of the last four years. 
um, and the last, you know, three months. So more to follow on that. Listen, uh, I greatly appreciate you coming in. Can we get information about Lily and James Creative by going to your LinkedIn? Yes, absolutely. So um, yeah, it's just right there. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, as always, uh, we greatly appreciate you uh, as the Fundamism Podcast listener. We uh, obviously appreciate Erin Folk and all the things that she's doing in her space. Guys, go out and create some fun in your life and uh, challenge others to do the same. If you don't know how to do that, you don't know how it looks, guess what? We got some great news today, literally today, We got approved. We're on Audible. So the Fundamism Connecting to Life Through Fun book is finally on Audible. In my voice, personal development, passion for fun, straight to your ear holes. So if indeed you need a little bit more of this in your life, go to audible.com and download the book. Guys, we appreciate your support. Go out, have some fun today, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Deuces! Deuces!